trying to get my heart rate variability measured each day was just completely impractical. The the method that uh, before these devices of first thing when you wake up, before you get out of, out of bed, put on a heart rate device and launch an app and, and just lay there for a few minutes uh, prior to getting out of bed, it's just not going to happen um, in reality. You never know how strong you are until being strong is your only option. It's really with one end goal in mind of a better cycling experience. There's a huge overlap. We're covering all these aspects of cycling. It's not just about the high-level cyclists. It's not just about the health club. Now it's about a bike, a power meter, technology, data. It's about cycling, no matter where you do it and how you do it. That's all I got. (laughs) Welcome to Bridge the Gap, presented by Stages Cycling. I'm Bryce Hansen, and on this show, we talk about all things cycling, no matter how or where you do it. My guest today is Brian Shoemaker. Brian is the Senior Director of Innovation at Lifetime, where he leads the Lifetime Labs and mobile teams. Brian is focused on fitness clubs of the future, assessing technologies and trends that can be implemented in the next three to five years. His teams quickly build proof of concepts to pilot at Lifetime Clubs, measuring the impact on operations and the member experience, and evaluate the results to apply across Lifetime's more than 150 locations. With 20 years of software development and management experience and a background that includes Ironman triathlons, mountain biking, and distance running, Brian understands how technology can enhance training, empower Lifetime's performers, and deliver results to members. Recent efforts include heart rates and power training in group fitness, applying Internet of Things patterns to club operations, testing wearables and fitness tech, and creating a smart home strategy for lifetime living. As a wellness pioneer, Lifetime is reshaping the way consumers approach their health by integrating where we play, work, and live, all with the primary objective of helping people lead healthy, happy lives. In addition to its more than 150 destinations and 41 major markets in the U.S. and Canada, Lifetime also owns and produces iconic athletic events and is expanding its brand through Lifetime Work premium co-working spaces and Lifetime Living high-end leased residences. Brian, thank you for joining Bridge the Gap. I'm happy to have you. Thank you for having me. You are a triathlete. And you're also the Senior Director of Innovation at Lifetime Fitness, a major club I have actually been going to since a very young age. Um, at at 20, 2004, I think, is, is when I started going. So I want to pick your brain about data and how important that has become in the gym. So can you kind of talk about just the importance of data in fitness, how it's applied in your training in triathlons? Um, and just general fitness and well-being, how important that's become, and then also kind of in the gym. Absolutely. Um, actually, this is uh, something that I find uh, very interesting and something that, uh, that I tracked uh, quite a bit before joining uh, Lifetime in 2016. Um, we've got uh, a mantra uh, that applies elsewhere as well, that I can't improve what I don't measure. And we like to make decisions uh, with data. Uh, so in as much as we can, we do try to track um, activities within lifetime and provide the tools to our members to, uh, to track things such as heart rate, uh, calories, uh, things like that that they find important that help them reach their, reach their goals. 
Um, to that end, we've got a, a platform at, uh, at Lifetime at, at most of our clubs called LT Connect, where we're able to um, record activities using what are called WASPs, which are radio receivers that are sprinkled throughout our clubs in the ceiling um, that allow us to uh, pull data off of heart rate devices, off of power meters, uh, almost anything that's uh, using uh, what's called the, the ANT protocol to, uh, to broad, broadcast telemetry. Uh, so that's one way at Lifetime we uh, were able to pull in your data as you perform your activities in our clubs. Uh, we're able to do a little data analysis and visualizations and, and share uh, ab- after the activity uh, your data. And have, we have integrations that allow you to pull that data into Strava, into Training Peaks, and then also a platform that allows you to go over um, that activity with your instructor, with your coach, uh, if you have one through, uh, through Lifetime. So any member of Lifetime, anybody that attends the gym, is able to utilize the LT Connect. That's right. Uh, we typically use it for, for group classes. So we have um, a variety of signature uh, uh, platforms, signature uh, class types uh, that use LT Connect, uh, small group training, um, most of our, our uh, cycle um, classes as well. Um, those are really geared toward um, heart rate based training, or in the case of cycle, hitting targets uh, for watts um, and a percentage of your FTP during these classes. Uh, so that's where having the data visualized in front of you and then available for analysis later is uh, is pretty useful. Yeah, it's super valuable. So how did you find in your own personal training that data played a big role? <laughs> well, um, I live in Minnesota and for six months of the year, uh, there's not a lot of outdoor uh, riding. So a lot of my activities um, took place uh, or take place uh, inside during the year. In the pain cave. <laughs> it is. I've, it's a frozen hellscape in Minnesota for six months of the year. So building up that, um, you know, yeah, like you said, that, that training cave, that pain cave uh, is kind of a necessity if you want to uh, be able to uh, compete uh, throughout the rest of the year. Um, cycling, indoor cycling um, has been a big component for, for my training and a necessity uh, when training for uh, Ironman and, and half Ironman. So um, having these structured training plans, uh, such as you might get through uh, training peaks and, and through a coach and from other platforms, where it's driven by data, um, a percentage of your FTP, these progressive training plans with a, a base build and specialty phases, uh, in the case of, uh, of Trainer Road, for example, um, it's essential to have that data um, and then build on your progress as you, as you uh, move throughout the, throughout the plans. Um, going by feel or going by heart rate alone um, isn't necessarily going to deliver the results that I uh, would have wanted to be ready for my first Ironman, for example. So the, um, the, the price points for these, uh, for these tools, for this equipment, for, for indoor trainers, for heart rate devices, and the variety of applications available to pull in this data, uh, the prices have come down uh, quite dramatically in the last, uh, last five years in particular, and making it a lot more accessible to, uh, to people to build up that, uh, that training center at home. And it's been great to have this available to me and, uh, you know, to those that I train with uh, to, to make for more effective training. 
Well, and that's a really good point because I remember, I remember being pretty young and getting my first heart rate monitor for Christmas. And that was such a big deal. I'd wanted one for so long. (laughs) And then, and I say that because, you know, heart rate used to be the metric and then power came along, but then power was at such a high price point. It was inaccessible. And it took many years of me, me personally racing bikes and riding bikes until I finally got my hands on a stages power meter because stages kind of led the led the progressive um, price drop for power meters. So all of a sudden now, like you said, it's these these wearables in this tech has become widely available to really anybody who's interested in utilizing it. So where, what, what kind of wearables um, do you use and do you find um, beneficial to anybody trying to improve their fitness? Uh, well, those are those are two distinct things. Uh, so, part of my my role at uh, at Lifetime uh, is to evaluate wearables and be able to, um, I guess, explain how they might be useful uh, in Lifetime's uh, programming today and then in the in the near future. So, a lot of that um, starts with a simple heart rate monitor. Uh, we um, have a lot of heart rate based uh, training, as I as I mentioned. And with that platform uh, that we use for heart, for tracking within the clubs, uh, I found that seventy uh, percent of our members who do participate in those tracked activities are using um, a, a, a forearm worn optical heart rate monitor from from Skosh, which is a fantastic uh, fantastic device, um, which which I use uh, for my for my uh, indoor training. Uh, Having a heart rate device is kind of the the, the entry level uh, and getting started with that, and then understanding your your heart rate zones. Um, Lifetime offers uh, metabolic assessments to determine uh, your your heart rate zones, and that's been a very effective means for for training for for, for quite a while. Um, beyond that, uh, oftentimes you want to pair that heart rate device with a with a wearable of some sort. Um, I have a bias toward uh, toward Garmin devices. I have a a Phoenix uh, six on my wrist right now. Um, they've proven to have a, just a, a, a great platform for almost any activity that you want to uh, participate in. Uh, multi-sport devices, uh, attractive wearables, and whatnot. But even uh, just something uh, simple, uh, such as a Fitbit or in uh, the Apple Watch, uh, for example, can uh, can also be uh, very effective. You can pair Bluetooth uh, heart rate devices uh, with your with your Apple Watch. Um, head units, uh, for cycling, uh, the stages dash, um, I use the, the garment edge, uh, I use, uh, as well, uh, for both indoor and outdoor training. Uh, and then also for indoor training, uh, I use a, a Wahoo, uh, kicker, uh, direct drive, uh, trainer with my, uh, TT bike. And that, uh, that was an absolute game changer, uh, for me for training, uh, <laughs> Erg mode uh, has taken a lot of the drudgery out of uh, out of training in the basement, but just uh, making it fun as well. Having a controllable trainer uh, with Zwift, uh, for example, uh, is has been such a great um, distraction or just a great uh, the, the gamification there. Um, you, you're not uh, just cranking out the prescribed workout that day. You're actually uh, competing with others and uh, makes the training in the basement, training at home, much, much uh, more enjoyable. Well, and it used to be you'd have to put on a, a movie or a TV show just to keep yourself somewhat entertained. So yeah, the the game the game now, which is, is what it is, um, of Zwift has made it just fun. You almost look forward to 
riding the trainer a little bit more. It's the the um, social aspect. Uh, I know I'm going to be going head to head, for example, with uh, a certain group of uh, of other uh, Zwifters, uh, for example, um, that I see uh, week after week, and that's uh, that's a lot of fun. Uh, it's something I actually look forward to instead of a uh, just the 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 um, dreading uh, training in the uh, in the morning. Right. Well, and you know, here at Stages, we have employees all over the world, and it's really cool to be able to do our our weekly rides or our Tuesday ride, um, together, even though we're spread across the different continents, it's, it's a really cool thing. Do you, do you find, are you one of those people that tracks, um, your sleep as well with these wearables? Cause I know the, I mean, you can dive into all sorts of data, um, if you want to, as, as far as you want to go. I started doing that, um, in, uh, tracking my sleep in, uh, the summer of 2019, um, I uh, got a, a whoop band uh, because I became interested in um, HRV, heart rate variability uh, tracking. Um, whoop uh, has a, a, great, uh, a great device um, for both HRV tracking and sleep tracking and some other metrics as well. And for me, uh, because I use Training Peaks as kind of my central hub for data, the integration between Whoop and uh, Training Peaks was uh, was definitely a uh, a plus. Um, it's then it, it's one of those things where um, I understand the value of sleep, and, and I think the science uh, for the value of sleep uh, is becoming more and more uh, prevalent here in the last uh, last few years. Um, the um, getting more sleep and the recommendations, for example, that Whoop provides uh, for uh, how much sleep you need that night, sometimes uh, hard to uh, hard to achieve. Um, I, I've also been using uh, the Aura Ring, uh, testing that as well for uh, for HRV uh, tracking, and that that, uh, that does sleep uh, as well. Um, previous to Whoop and previous to Aura, um, trying to get my heart rate variability measured each day was just completely impractical. The, the method that uh, bef- before these devices of first thing when you wake up, before you get out of, out of bed, put on a heart rate device and launch an app and, and just lay there for a few minutes uh, prior to getting out of bed, it's just not going to happen um, in reality. Whereas with Whoop and Aura, it's measuring continuously throughout, uh, throughout your sleep and you'll have that uh, that value that's measured roughly the same time each night. So you have a consistent baseline, a consistent time of measurement uh, that you can compare day to week to month to year. Have you found, um, knowing that information, you've been able to alter any activities you're doing based off of it and avoid any kind of over stress or fatigue? It's certainly in the back of my mind. So I I have, uh, you know, like, like many, I have a prescribed uh, training plan either delivered to me um, by a coach or sometimes I'll be on uh, on a trainer road um, uh, program and here are here's today's workout and if whoop is telling me that I really I'm fatigued I had uh, too much stress the, the day before um, advising me to, to ease up today um, I do take that under advisement um, maybe instead of just skipping that workout that day I'll, I'll back off the uh, the wattage uh, or, or cut the run a little bit short or something like that it's really hard and I think it's going to be hard for a lot of people that are training for that big event that a race of the year to deviate from that prescribed plan um, this is the plan that's going to get me to my my a race and, and this device is telling me to deviate from that it's hard to accept uh, sometimes but just knowing the value of rest knowing the the value of sleep um, 
it often is beneficial to, to, to heed, I guess, the warning. Uh, if you do find yourself with a low HRV, for example, to back off, let your body recover, and then you're able to be more effective the next day. So if I was somebody, I mean, you Lifetime handles a wide spectrum of abilities and um, their uh, level of fitness. We deal with the same wide audience. If you're dealing with somebody who maybe they've been working out a while, they don't really see the value of all this technology. Maybe they see it as um, just an over and beyond thing. How do you introduce them into the, the tech world, the data world, and help them understand that, yeah, even if you're just maybe trying to lose a couple pounds or, um, you know, better on your cardio, how they can utilize these tools. Yeah, it's, you're absolutely right. It's not for, for, uh, for everyone. Uh, sometimes it's merely just informational. Um, my, my mom is a good example. Uh, her motivator is uh, getting those 10,000 steps in each day and a very simple device, a simple wearable. Uh, almost anyone can, can handle that. Um, I think what Apple has done with the Apple Watch, uh, with, the, with the rings, trying to close your rings each day, um, has provided that motivation for millions of people, and it's a great platform uh, for, for many. I, I think the best device is the one that you have on you. So if, there is a, if there's something that beyond fitness, um, there's a reason for you to wear it, um, that's the, the best place uh, to start. As far as why would someone want to track their heart rate, why would someone want to track their steps and, and perhaps uh, calories and things like that, it really does come down to uh, what, what is your goal? If you do indeed have a goal of, uh, of weight loss, for example, or, or a different body composition or something like that, um, tracking those calories both in and out uh, can be an important component of that. Um, I, for one, have been, uh, since I joined Lifetime actually four years ago, I've um, tracked my intake uh, every single day. And it's uh, been a great metric uh, to have that daily intake and, and, and output and compare, uh, compare the two. Um, the uh, utility, though, of tracking your heart rate for, for activities um, unless you're, I, in my experience, unless you're training for something, unless you're trying to meet that, that goal, um, tracking your heart rate is, is useful um, for endurance, is useful for, for weight loss. If you, I, I guess, know how to use that. I often see people who um, are at, at a lifetime or, uh, or outside the club uh, running, for example, that they're, they're running to lose weight, but they're going full bore. They're, they're going uh, almost sprinting um, over, maybe even overexerting themselves, trying to, trying to really push themselves. When if their goal is weight loss, um, the level of effort required is, is maybe less than what they're, what they're engaged in. Lifetime uh, does provide uh, those metabolic assessments I, I mentioned that will define your heart rate zones. And that's a case where maybe uh, with a heart rate monitor, you can know what your zone one, zone two, zone three are, and you can follow a prescribed plan or follow some, some simple steps to, to engage in activities that get your heart rate up into those zones that maybe optimize uh, burning fat over sugar and, and things like that. So typically, if I do, someone does approach me, um, for a recommendation on a wearable, I'll ask those, those very questions. What do you want to use it for? What do you have today? Maybe you already have something that's uh, sufficient for, for your needs. And typically the conversation evolves uh, from there. That's awesome. And that's really cool that you have um, people there, you know, if people have questions and can kind of help educate. That was my biggest challenge when I got started with power was I said, great, I have this, this power number and I'm doing 
X amount of Watts, you know, <laughs> what does that mean? And it took me a really long time <laughs> to on my own figure out what my zones were and, you know, what all that meant. And of course now we have, um, you know, FTP testing and, and a lot more education available for people to quickly learn how to use it. Um, in, in lifetime gyms, you know, you use, you use our bikes with, with power metrics and, uh, you know, that's been a really interesting journey to see how people have adapted to, to using it. Yeah, we, we have um, within our, our cycle studios, um, typically we have the, the, the stages bikes. And, and for many of our signature cycle programs, we utilize that data that comes off of uh, the bike. So for, um, uh, f- we, we have what's called power cycle and edge cycle. Those are two, uh, two program types. And we typically start off those classes with a, a simple uh, FTP test. So we have a protocol before, at the beginning of class for a, for a three-minute um, uh, FTP test. Uh, we don't call it that necessarily all the time, but the instructor um, has everyone uh, you know, work at their maximum effort to get that number during that three-minute duration. We do a little math uh, behind the scenes, and then we set the value for that class. Here's your 100% number, and then you're coached throughout the, the session against that, that FTP value. Uh, for some of our programs, we also have a 20-minute test um, there, which is kind of more, more typical uh, for an FTP test. But having that, that power number, uh, in addition to heart rate, that has been a real game changer, I think, for a lot of people training for endurance events and has made that structured and prescribed training that we're able to offer at Lifetime a lot more effective. Yeah, because as, as you know, you know, heart rate can vary sometimes based on stress, based on sleep, as we talked about. Power is a great metric if you have access to it to kind of have a, a different number to to gauge yourself against. You can't, uh, yeah, you can't fool the uh, the power meter, right? Uh, so going based off of uh, your rate of perceived uh, exertion, um, you know, your heart rate, like you said, could could vary from workout to workout, but uh, the power meter is not going to uh, to lie about uh, what you're putting out. Talking about uh, the studio, we are kind of walking out of a really weird period of history. People went home and weren't able to come to the gym, come to the studio physically anymore. Where do you see the future of group exercise now that virtual type of tools are starting to come in play? There's different regulations around who can attend or how many people can attend class um, and how close they can be together where do you see Lifetime um, moving forward? It has been an interesting time. Lifetime uh, during the, uh, the, the COVID-19 uh, outbreak, we, we did at one point uh, shutter all of our locations and we've been slowly uh, reopening uh, in order to uh, maintain the appropriate social distancing and enforce uh, these very rigorous, uh, r- rigorous uh, cleaning protocols, we have reduced the number of people who can uh, be in, in the studio. <clears throat> the, um, the, the class attendance, we've actually been um, at, at capacity for these, uh, for these classes as clubs reopen. And there is a wait list and we're certainly not able to accommodate everyone that wants to participate. And I think that's where um, you see uh, things like uh, esports via Zwift um, is a great example that people have adopted at home or uh, Trainer Road that has introduced uh, essentially Zoom paired with Trainer Road to be alone together uh, with, uh, with, uh, as you all um, perform the same uh, activity uh, together. Um, the Zwift model is really interesting to me. Um, I've really enjoyed uh, my time uh, using Zwift. 
uh, we, before um, March and when we had to um, close our clubs uh, temporarily, we were investigating, is there an opportunity um, to use Zwift or, or something similar to bring those competitive aspects um, into lifetime and beyond lifetime's uh, walls? Could we have a, a smaller studio format, for example, where uh, people could compete uh, both uh, together in the studio across clubs so we could uh, pit various uh, clubs against each other and then just bigger, um, bigger events uh, for, for lifetime members. If this um, environment continues, I, I know we're going to continue to explore virtual options. How can we continue to engage our members uh, on the bike and in group fitness and things like that that don't necessarily involve being within uh, the, the, the club itself? Um, that's where looking at uh, partnerships and, and other existing platforms such as Zwift uh, certainly is going to be part of Lifetime's uh, uh, plans going forward. Yeah, because I find it's it's just really interesting to see how different people have reacted. Some are super eager to get back into the back into the club, like you said. You're you're at capacity. There's a wait list. Others have kind of realized, oh wait, you know, I could I could do this at home. Um, the technology is available. I would kind of rather just sit in my, my basement or, or in my living room even and, um, you know, be able to work out. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, clubs and, and Lifetime as well are able to kind of create opportunities for people to still be a part of the gym um, and, and have a community because that, that is a big piece of, of going to the club is the community aspect. We have found that uh, that members uh, miss their favorite performers at uh, at their home club. Um, we've been looking at ways where um, you know it's our responsibility to meet our members where they're at, and and right now um, they there's uh, some that are going to be uh, reluctant to come come to the uh, club until until conditions uh, change. Um, so that's where looking at uh, live streaming options and video on demand and these virtual classes are, are certainly part of the, the menu that we're exploring um, at the moment. Uh, some things will work, some things don't, um, but uh, I'm sure over the next um, six months or, or so, we're going to uh, better define what that virtual uh, offering from Lifetime is going to look like. Have you noticed uh, outside of group exercise, um, your trainers who would be typically training members on on the gym floor and the weight and the weight section are, are they also going to a more virtual environment um and offering things like that for or i guess training plans kind of we have um a virtual uh training platform uh where we're able to connect our uh our members with uh with an instructor with a coach uh that's typically more of a one-on-one uh relationship um, that's where the, that challenge is of finding those live streaming options or those other virtual coaching opportunities where we can, if not simulate a small group environment, at least uh, uh, provide something that will satisfy those that are looking for that camaraderie, that socialization uh, that we get with our small group uh, classes. Um, our instructors have been, we've seen a lot of innovation. Uh, we've seen uh, some that have been doing uh, their own thing with uh, YouTube and Instagram, which was, uh, you know, if you saw that take off uh, back in March and April, and then uh, others that have been uh, really instrumental in helping us define what our virtual training uh, offerings are going to look like and helping onboard other uh, performers, other instru- instructors to, uh, to accommodate our members who want to go that route as well. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, cause you know, everyone's had to adapt in some way to all this. That's, that's really neat that they're making that pivot. 
Um, one really cool thing about Lifetime that I've always loved is they are interacting with the community outside the doors um, with events like Leadville um, and, and other races. Can you talk a little bit about how Lifetime is involved in some outdoor events um, outside of the club doors? Absolutely. Um, so over the last um, uh, 10 years, uh, actually longer than that for some events, we've uh, been both putting on our own uh, endurance events, marathons, half uh, marathons, uh, triathlons, and then uh, bringing uh, some of the prestige uh, events under the lifetime uh, umbrella, such as like Leadville and Dirty Kanza and, and Schwamigan. Uh, Miami uh, Marathon is another uh, lifetime event. It's just um, another way of engaging with, uh, with those that maybe don't have a lifetime in their community or a way of getting the lifetime uh, brand and lifetime ethos uh, in front of a, of a larger, uh, larger audience. So those, um, those events um, are really a great way to get the lifetime message out to uh, prospective members. One event that I think is really neat and uh, a coworker shared it with me the other day is Ride of a Lifetime. And this was, this was 10 years ago, but I think it's really cool and worth, worth sharing. What was Ride of a Lifetime? <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, it was a while ago. Um, back in uh, 2010, uh, Lifetime set a record for the largest um, indoor uh, cycling uh, like size group uh, event. So it was called Ride of a Lifetime. And at the Target Center in Minneapolis, we brought together uh, 1,052 members and, and guests here so wild. Uh, to participate in a class. And that's the the amount of people is wild, but thinking about the amount of bikes, I mean, I've, I've helped put on events where we try and cram 80 bikes in a room. I couldn't imagine uh, pulling together over a thousand bikes. We, people still talk about that. Um, so yeah, uh, we brought in our bikes from across uh, clubs uh, in the, in the Minneapolis uh, area to the, to the target center to make that happen. It was a massive undertaking. Um, our CEO, Brahma Grady and a few other cycle instructors led this two hour uh, class. Um, I've had a few people uh, still mention this uh, to me, like remember when lifetime uh, did that event at the target center? Uh, what's interesting is that that record um, in 2010 topped our, uh, the previous record, which was also by Lifetime. So previously, we had a record that was set in January of 2010 that had 600 cyclists. So we haven't done anything like that in the last uh, 10 years. And I don't know how safe that record stands, but uh, um, it's, pretty, uh, it's a pretty interesting uh, achievement. To, to break it now, that'd be pretty tough because uh, the amount of space you'd need to have every bike, you know, have a certain feet apart and you'd, you'd need a, a farm field <laughs> to make that happen. <laughs> well, Brian, I uh, appreciate you joining me um, and, and talking a bit about wearables and the, the things that Lifetime is doing to help keep the community together, um, but also provide opportunities for people to continue on with their health goals and um, just keeping up with their fitness. Appreciate you jumping on and talking with me for a bit. It's been great. Thank you, Bryce. Thanks, Brian. If you're enjoying these podcasts, be sure to let us know by liking and subscribe to make sure you know when next episodes become available. Do you have a friend that might also enjoy these? You can actually share the episode directly to your Instagram story, through Facebook Messenger, or directly in your messages. If you listen on a platform that allows you to leave a review, let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your feedback. My name is Bryce Hansen, and this is Bridge the Gap. <laughs>